it was good to have Susan and Kelly to to sing and to do songs for us. And, uh, yeah, it's it's really good. <clears throat> this uh, this evening, as we are continuing on in this uh, you know process or this thought as far as uh, you know walking in uh, you know in the spirit in in growing in this, there's a statement in that first part that uh, you know that says that. Um, it's not the end, but it's the beginning of excitement, moment by moment, depending on the Spirit. I, you know, when I think about that, and uh, back whenever I was, uh, you know, first answered the call into, into ministry, I did everything that I possibly could, uh, you know, for ministry. But one of the things that I remember is, is that everything that I looked at, look like ministry. Uh, you know, it was hard on what to say was not ministry. There was this excitement within my life, uh, you know, that was not, that hadn't been there before, but it was something that was new, that was stirring, and that was turning up within me. And unfortunately, as the time has gone by, the, the excitement has kind of, kind of waned away, right? I, you know, I, I know for myself, you know, the, the excitement of looking in everything that I see, I see a ministry within it, uh, you know, and, and the uh, excitement as far as, uh, you know, whenever, uh, you know, I'm talking or, you know, to someone that I feel the Spirit moving within me and, and helping me through the conversation and all of it, all that kind of has faded away over the time. And I'm looking out here and I'm thinking, and I thought about this before I even got up here and, and began talking about this, because one of the things, the farther that we get on the other side of our life, the excitement goes away from being the newness that the Holy Spirit brings within us, that the excitement then begins to focus and begins to turn and, and begins to deal with the excitement that the Holy Spirit is bringing us to, as in the Holy Spirit is constantly drawing our lives to God. And if it's drawing our lives to God, it's drawing us to heaven. And we should be getting more and more excited about making that last step. But the older we get and the longer we move into this life and stuff, it's like we begin eating sour grapes or we forget to tell people how excited we are about getting to heaven and we want to help them get to heaven. We're just like, oh my goodness. I, you know, how many times have I heard in the last year or so uh, you know, that the golden years are not golden, uh, you know, they're really painful? I understand about the pain. Well, I'm not there yet, so I can't say that I understand about the pain of the golden years. Uh, you know, but I can empathize with you guys in the golden years and, and the pain and all the struggles and stuff with it. But the thing about it is, is that we still should have that excitement from the Holy Spirit within our lives that we are not overwhelmed with the drudgery and stuff as far as our bodies falling apart because they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Right? Uh, you know, we talked about it this morning. Our bodies are mortal bodies and they will die. They're doing what they are supposed to be doing. Some of them are holding on longer than others, but still, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
Eventually, we will breathe our last here on this earth and take our first breath in heaven. We should be. Now, I know that I am not, I'm not preaching to the choir because I'm not there yet. Okay, And whenever I get there, I might be saying the same words that y'all are, but I, I would like to encourage you tonight, if this is any type of an encouragement, uh, you know, but the Holy Spirit is really accomplishing what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be, and it is drawing you unto heaven. It's drawing you unto God so that whenever you receive or whenever you're at the end of your life, that you should be living off of the joy and the excitement that the Holy Spirit is producing within you. Uh, you know, and, and I have been a Christian longer than I have not been a Christian. But there are still passages of Scripture that I can read today that are just like they're brand new. Just like God gives me something brand new today out of a passage of Scripture that I know I have read over and over again. That is the Holy Spirit, and that is the excitement of the Holy Spirit living within us that is guiding us and directing us and showing us the path that He has for us and helping us through this process. And tonight, we are, we're going to go in and we're going to talk about what does it look like and how are these things and how are we supposed to react towards the Holy Spirit being in our lives. The first question that we have, we go in, we're going to look at uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, and I'm going to read that for you this morning, or this evening, out of the NLT. So this is the New Living Translation for you this evening. It says, this includes you who were once far from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Do not drift away from the assurance you receive when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So in this passage of Scripture, what did Christ's death provide for the Colossians? Or what does it provide for us? It provides reconciliation, right? Okay, we are reconciled through Christ's death, through his bodily death. We are reconciled. How would God present them or present us? How does God present us? Huh? Holy and in sight, yes, without blemish. Uh, you know, so in other words, he sees us uh, you know, without any fault. Or something that is even better with this is that he doesn't see any disappointment within us. What do you think about that? God doesn't see any disappointment in us. 
we struggle with disappointing ourselves. How can, not by, how can God not be disappointed with me? Because he's God, okay? That's a broad, yes, okay? He made us, he's God. Uh, you know, uh, we can stretch and we can say that, you know, that he knows. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Jesus changed, uh, you know, the name of Peter, uh, you know, to mean the rock because he knew that that was in Peter's potential as far as Peter would become the rock of the church. Okay, so we can think of as far as the foreknowledge, uh, you know, but I think that it really deals a lot with the grace of God. God's grace is not blind, okay, so, uh, you know, so we can't say that God walks around with rose-colored glasses, seeing everything nice and rosy. He does see, uh, you know, death, he, he does see sin, uh, you know, but he doesn't see disappointment in us. And he doesn't see the disappointment in us because, of he, because he knows the work that he has begun. And the scripture says that he will be true to see the work to the end. But then the key part is this, is the second part of that question, or the third part of that question, okay? What must we do? Continue to believe in the truth. Continue in our faith. Continue to trust. Continue to hope. I'm kind of going through different translations that will give you different things. To continue to hold on to the hope of the gospel. I think that's a really interesting way to put it. Because the gospel is what? The story of Jesus Christ. So it wants us to hold on to that hope. And that hope is what? Through Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. That hope that we have is that Jesus Christ, his life, and because of his life and his death, we now have a right relationship with God so that we can have and spend eternity with him in heaven. So our hope through the gospel is our hope in heaven, our hope in eternal life with Jesus Christ. So that in itself deals and goes back to that thought process that we started with, is that the further on in our lives, we should be getting more and more excited about what we're fixing to step into. But that excitement really needs to transfer to the people that are younger than us so that they still get a glimpse. Because there's this time frame. If we, if we can gauge our lives, and I'll kind of move across the stage, if we can gauge our life whenever we first uh, you know, receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're like a ball on fire, right? Anything and everything that we touch, we just simply want it to be ignited for God. Uh, you know, we tell our friends about it. Uh, you know, that is why if you, whenever you read into the scripture, it says that the husband or the father was, you know, was saved. And the whole family then turned into, you know, then was saved, right? 
It's because of the excitement that the father created because of the love that God had poured out on him that it had changed to him that that fire then begins to change the next person and then it begins to change the next person, right? And then all of a sudden we run into a fifth or sixth person that says, oh man, you need to calm down, man. You know, you're just running too wild and then all of a sudden our flames kind of you know, kind of begin to dwindle down, and you know, then we get into our middle age, and in our middle age, we're we're here and we're we're struggling because the excitement of being a new Christian's worn off, but we haven't made it to the excitement of getting over into heaven. And guys, I tell you, the more and more that I'm thinking about heaven, I'm really looking forward to crossing over that crystal sea. Man, can you imagine how beautiful that's going to be? You know, because the light that's going to be shining off of it is going to be the glory of God. That is going to be shining off of that crystal sea. I'm like, whoo, I get tingly down my legs and stuff. The hair on my legs are standing up just thinking about that. But in the middle part of our lives, we're here and we're struggling because we're now adults. Right? We're now adults and we should know better. But we're still struggling with things. We're still struggling with things that as a child we really didn't recognize and know with. And we're struggling with these things. And life is hitting us and we have bills to pay. And we have a house that we have to, you know, mortgage that we have to pay. You have to keep the car running. You've got to, you know, all this stuff here. you you got kids you've got to feed. Uh, you, you might be kind of on the further side and you've got grandkids that you get to deal with, right? I, you know, man, I tell you what, I, you know, I bought two Build-A-Bears, two Build-A, uh, you know, um, Chewbacca's, and I don't have either one of them. Go figure, $35 a piece, I got neither one. Talmadge has one, Ma, you know, um, Maverick has the other one. I'm like, I'm like how, did I, how did that work out? But anyway, here we are. And then whenever we move into this, that excitement that we have for moving on needs to go back to this generation to this time where we remember that we sat there and struggled. Where our kids are at now. You know, I have Caleb that's still in Mississippi and I worry about him every single day. There's not a day that I don't think about his finances. You know, there's not a day that I don't think about him in London and their relationship and Maverick and Jameson and how are they making it. That's whenever we need to feed into them. That's whenever we, as this next generation, that as we are looking forward to heaven, that we then begin to turn that excitement and turn it around and begin to feed it into them. So that they understand that where they're headed to is a whole lot better than where they are. And they're in this moment in time in their lives that they just need to hold on. Hold on because God is true to his word. He will finish the work that he has begun in your life. Hold fast to him and he will complete that work. Whew, man, that preaches, doesn't it? Man. Romans chapter chapter 12 verse 2 urges us to do what? Uh, you know, consistently to do something. Romans 12, 2. Okay, so you got transformed. 
Huh? To be transformed? I have not conformed to the world. To be transformed? But we're transformed by what? By the renewing of our mind. Yeah. So the renewing of our mind is that our physical body doesn't change, but the thought process that we have changes. Our attitude, does our attitude change? Mm, But see, it's a thought process. So the mind changes, and then the mind changes the attitude, because the attitude is an external. Our attitude is more about what people do to us than what we do within ourselves. Huh? Heart change, yeah, yeah. So what we have in, in some of the issues and the struggles that we have so much is, is that someone comes up to us, okay, and they say something or they do something, and we as rational people and as rational human beings, we then give them the keys to our body, and we say, okay, what you do is going to affect me. We're giving them the keys and we're giving them the ability to create within us an attitude. I see a lot of people staring back at me. I know this. You remember those signs that says your attitude is 90% of what happens to, of what people do to you and 10% on how you react on it? Or how you, no, that's not the way it goes, is it? It's 90% on how you react to the 10% of what the people do to you. I think that's closer. That might not be it. It's been a long time since I've seen one of those, uh, you know, posters. Used to always see them in the car business for some odd reason. You know, it was just, yeah. Huh? Oh, you're not that old. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I, I deserve that, booger. I deserve that. (laughs) Mine's the first to go. (laughs) The next line here, it has personal questions, and you can answer this if you want to. Uh, You know, what are some of the ways you are transformed by the renewing of your mind? What are some of the ways that you are personally? Okay, right? Kind of the way that we react, right? What we say and how we say it, yes. Yeah. What about how we receive it? Because how we receive it also deals with that new mind process.
Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a lot of the leadership books and stuff now, and leadership development, uh, you know, seminars that you can that you'll you can go to, and they encourage, uh, you know, for people to get, uh, you know, to be, um, to have feedback. Uh, you know, critique me. Uh, you know, tell me what I've done wrong. Uh, you know, now there again, uh, you know, you listen to. 5% of the, 95% of what they tell you. Or, no, I'm kidding. Do you? How do you deal with that? How do you handle someone coming up to you and saying, you, you know, and telling you that, you know, that you did, that that was wrong? Uh, you know, the way that you did that was wrong. Yeah? So, whenever we're dealing with this and thinking, you know, <clears throat> if Miss Jeannie came to me and told me, uh, you know, John, I don't like the way that you handled such and such, okay, if my attitude, okay, is wrong, regardless of what her attitude is, I've already made it wrong. Okay, so the renewing of our mind, if we allow our mind to be renewed, regardless of who says it, and regardless of what is said, our mind and our attitude has been changed, therefore we should receive it, and I want you to hear this, we should receive it, and then we should meditate on it. Because everything that someone says is not necessarily correct. But if we are not willing to even receive it, we will never know if it was correct or not. So we have to at least receive it. And then we meditate on it and figure out how to deal with it. Because some of the things that Miss Jeannie might say is 100% off the wall, just, just bonkers crazy. But part of it, but part of it might really have something that, that I need to take in. But if I come to it with the wrong attitude, I've received none of it. Therefore, I get none of the benefits from it. So it's more our attitude and the renewing of our mind on how we process how people come to us with any type of, of confrontation or with any type of, of help or critique or anything like that. It deals with our attitude and how we receive it. Miss Jeannie has absolutely no idea that I think that 90% of what she gave me is bonkers. If I receive it, 
She just simply says, okay, he has received what I have said. Therefore, I now have value within his life. It might only be 10%. No, I'm kidding, Miss Jeannie. <laughs> but you, you get this. Uh, you know, we have so many people that will not come to us and talk to us because our renewing of our mind and our attitude has not aligned with what God is and we refuse them right off the bat. They might have something good to say, but we've already, already more automatically just refused it. And what that does is it hurts us because now we cannot grow from something that they have. But it also hurts them because they now have no value in our lives. I've really gone off the topic on this message, on this, on this here. But we have to be. That's, that is part of the renewing. And that, and that renewing process is, is that we actually begin to process things more maturely uh, in the manner that, you know, that Jesus would have us to process those things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Paul prays that God will sanctify you or sanctify us through and through. What are the long-term results? be preserved blameless. But what will be preserved blameless? So all of us. So what I need for you to do is I need for you to go back and I need you to go back into the Old Testament and I need you to get this to picture this. Wait a minute, was it? Yes. In the Old Testament, the law, okay, and Jesus talked about this if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's talking about your whole body. So at this point in time, it's saying that if we do this, then you won't have to gouge out your eye to be able to make it into heaven. You won't have to cut off your hand to be able to get there. Because you'll have the Holy Spirit living within you that is helping you through this process. Okay, I was more impressed with that than y'all were. Okay. I, I, thought, I thought whenever I put that together, that was one of those aha moments like, oh man, look at this. Man, but that's okay. Y'all go ahead. You know, just, you know, just pour on my parade. Who does the preserving or the keeping? In verse 24. Huh? Okay, so it says that in, in Scripture, in the little term, the term, it says, The Lord Jesus Christ. I hear some people say in God. Uh, I, I didn't get that in the translations. Uh, you know, but whenever we get the capital He, and it says He who calls you. Who calls you? Who called you? Huh? Holy Spirit calls us. The Holy Spirit draws us. So the He 
And this particular point is going to be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one that draws us and calls us. This is one of those passages of Scripture that we look at that we can actually take the it off of the Holy Spirit and we can say the he. He as the Holy Spirit, not it as the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's a he, and he draws us. But the Holy Spirit only draws us because, why? Because God has chosen us. So go ahead and untangle that one for you. Go ahead and untangle that one. Untangle that one. He does. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, is that the understanding that the life that we're being called to is better than the life that we, that we have. And there's so many people that's in this world that's lost that, that they're still not convinced that the life that they're being called to is better than the life that they're living now. They have a longing to serve, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, you know, we've, we've heard messages preached on that, uh, you know, Kelly, about uh, you know, we've, we've all been designed with the desire or with the, uh, you know, in being in relationship, uh, you know, and being in relationship with God because he created us as, he, cre- as he, he and Jesus was created and he created us to be one as he and Jesus and the Holy Spirit were one. Uh, you know, so we do have that drawing that's, that's to him, uh, you know, but the world tries to fill it with anything and everything that it possibly can. Uh, we try to fill it with work, uh, you know, we try to fill it with other relationships, um, and that's, that's why some of, you know, marriage relationships go south, because, uh, you know, we think that that relationship is going to make us whole, and, and it doesn't. Uh, you know, that hole within us is still empty in that relationship. The only way that it can be filled is through the relationship with Jesus Christ or with God. Uh, you know, um, and... 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, we've talked about this, that we were filled or sanctified through and through, right? Uh, You know, we were sanctified holy. Whenever we received the Holy Spirit, 
uh, you know, into our lives and we were sanctified, we were sanctified completely. We got every bit of the Holy Spirit at that moment in time. We, we all believe that and we all understand that, right? You, you don't get a taste of the Holy Spirit. You don't get a portion of the Holy Spirit. You get every bit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, what phrase implements or implies an ongoing relationship? How does it tell us or how does it describe to us that this is an ongoing relationship? Galatians 5, 16 through 18. Okay, yeah, both of those are right. See, a constant battle, okay, in between the flesh, in between the spirit and our spirit, or the spirit and our flesh, but it's also, it's a walk that gives us this idea that it's not something that we, uh, you know, it's, there's a process, Um, and Nazarenes really don't like that word process, Okay, uh, you know, Nazarenes like the word that we mature, uh, you know, in the relationship or in our relationship and walk with the Holy Spirit. It's semantics, guys. It's, uh, you know, it, it is a process. It is, uh, you know, our life, uh, whenever we receive the Holy Spirit in our sanctification, in that sanctification moment, we will constantly walk within that relationship. If we stay true to it, we will constantly walk We will grow in our knowledge of what the Holy Spirit has for us and what the Holy Spirit can do through us and for us and within us throughout our lives. We'll always have that growing process. Uh, So whether you're going to say that you mature in your relationship with the Holy Spirit or you are in the process of growing your relationship with the Holy Spirit, both of those are right. But we are not in the process of receiving more of the Holy Spirit. We have every bit of the Holy Spirit at that moment in time. But we don't understand all that we receive from the Holy Spirit at that moment in time. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Correct. Correct, because the renewing is also a process. So just simply by the word renewing is a process because, uh, you know, your mind is new today, okay, or renewed today. And if your mind only has what it has in it today, tomorrow, then it's not renewed tomorrow. It's old because you're living on the old stuff. So the renewing of your mind also gives you that understanding that it's this relationship, that it's an ongoing knowledge, uh, you know, that we have. 
we cannot, as a, as a new believer or even as a new person that is sanctified, we cannot handle all of the knowledge that the Holy Spirit has to give to us at one point in time. We, we would absolutely, we would go, we would go nuts uh, with all the knowledge that God wants to give to us and wants, to, and wants us to receive. But it's, it's that ongoing, that renewing. Uh, you know, so let's go ahead and let's, I want to skip down. Let's go down to number six. Okay, so what can the Holy Spirit do for you besides fill you? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Okay, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's something that we receive the power for, Robbie, and what is that? To be witnesses. So we receive the power of the Holy Spirit to become witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the power that we receive from the Holy Spirit, okay, is specified towards our witness. Okay? But the power of the Holy Spirit is also for us to overcome the struggles that we will be facing. The power of the Holy Spirit also gives us boldness within our relationship. It gives us the ability to stand firm because of the power that's within the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the armor of God. Uh, the armor of God, and we have the shoes, uh, you know, of peace. And you remember the design of the shoes of peace? They're more like football cleats or, uh, you know, they have spikes. And depending on where you're fighting at, as far as the terrain that you're going to be fighting on, on how long those spikes are. Because they're to help you to stand firm on the ground that you're standing on. That might give us the indication that whenever we're over here and we're in the midst of our youth, of our relationship and, uh, you know, in our, uh, you know, call or, or in our salvation as a child of God, that those spikes are pretty deep. And that we're really standing really firm, mainly on the peace of God that's in our lives. Because after all, everyone that comes to God, comes to God at the end of their rope to where their life is internal, is in total turmoil. So that whenever they are able to stand up, that they have the peace of God that is within them, that is holding them firm on the ground that they are standing on. They haven't left the situation that they're in, right? Whenever you were saved, whenever you received Jesus Christ and you get up from that altar, it doesn't mean that all your bills are automatically paid for, right? You're still standing on that ground, but you have to have His peace on your feet to be able to stand firm in what He has given to you in that process that you have just stepped into. Man, maybe we should have recorded this one tonight. I think that's really good too. Man, 
Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Peace and strength. I think there's something else in that one. Encourage us, encouragement. Okay, but in the NLT, fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit gives us fear of the Lord. We fear God because of who He is. We love and trust God because of who He is. And He gives us courage and comfort within that as well. Because we know who He is. We we know His love. We know what He has for us. Acts chapter 13, verse 4. I struggled with that one. The Holy Spirit sends us. I got that, but I kept searching for something more. Where does He send us? Sends us to the kitchen? Huh? Sends us to Cyprus. So where was Cyprus? Huh? To the seaport? Get to go to the beach? Okay. All right. Okay. Sends us to the call. Yeah. It gives us the strength to go and towards the call. Uh, you know, Cyprus is actually on the border of Jerusalem as well. So he sends us to a place that we normally wouldn't go to because we like to stay around home. Huh? Yeah. So he sends us towards the, the borders. Yeah. Out of our comfort. Acts 20, 28. He oversees or gives us the ability to oversee. So this one here really kind of deals with us as being leaders, right? Overseers. Overseeing a task that needs to be accomplished or needs to be done. Okay. Guards God's people and ourselves. Romans chapter 8, 14. In 14, 8. 8, 14. Yes, you got that one right. Sons of God, children, sons and daughters of God. 
the Holy Spirit changes who we are. Right? Romans 8.26 helps us in our weakness. Yeah. When we're weak, he's strong. And he intercedes for us. What is one thing that the Holy Spirit has done for you since he filled you? An assurance, okay. Hmm. Yeah, okay, peace of mind. Took away your fear, okay, all right. Mm. Change the perception, okay, all right. Strength, okay, all right. He's brought me to Rock Hill, South Carolina. Huh? Best move I've ever made. Because if I don't know if y'all remember, uh, you know, but uh, you know that night that I interviewed here, I walked and I stood right over here somewhere, and I said that I want God to take me to a place that my feet will not go. Rock Hill, South Carolina, and Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene was a place that I was afraid of. And the reason why I was afraid of it was because I had been preaching a church that I had grown to about 51 to 52 people on Sunday mornings. And the first Sunday morning that I was here, there was 145 people. I was afraid if I would be able to handle the church and what God had for the church here. So yeah, so, you know, I say here in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, you know, do I want to make roots right here in South Carolina? Yes, I do. If somebody wants to build me a house or give me a house, go ahead, give me one. I'll make a roots right here. We're not going to go on with that. <laughs> According to John chapter 1, verse 2, or John chapter, John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Sin needs no part of your Christian life. But if, it, but if you do sin, what should you do? Huh? Ask for forgiveness, repentance, yes. Yes. What is the promise that continues to clean and continue it of continuing cleansing in John 1, 1, 7? What is the promise? John chapter 1, 7. Okay, but what's doing it? What's continually cleansing us? What is the promise uh, you know, of, do, of that? 
Yeah. As long as we walk in the light. Yeah. 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 As long as we walk in the light. And the light is what? Jesus. And Jesus is what? And Jesus is what? Okay, I'm fishing for something, so I'll go ahead and give it to you. He's the truth. He's the truth. So we have to live within that light and within that truth. And that continues to help us and to, you know, to cleanse us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, in Acts 4, 31, people are filled with the Spirit. When have you needed to receive a refresh or a fresh touch from God's Spirit? When? When do you need it? When have you needed it? Daily. 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 Yeah. Yeah. We need a refilling and a freshening of the Holy Spirit every, every single day. That's part of that walk. That's part of, the, like Johnny was talking about, the renewing, uh, the renewing of the mind. It's, it's an everyday it's an everyday process, and that's how we, you know, why we, we pray to Him and we talk to Him. That's why we read the Scripture. Uh, you know, even though we've read it over and over again, we, we keep reading it and we keep reading it. Uh, there's a gentleman that I know, uh, you know, that, uh, that was at the church in Mississippi, and whenever I was there, uh, you know, which is uh, three, years, three years ago, um, he had read the Bible 42 times from cover to cover. 42 times. But, you know, he struggled with his walk of faith. Because it was a lot of knowledge up here and not a lot of knowledge here. Whenever we renew our minds, we we not only read the Scripture, but we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through the Scripture. And that begins to renew the mind. Just simply having knowledge of the Scripture doesn't necessarily renew the mind. Right, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is, does the renewing portion of it. Uh, the Holy Spirit is what teaches us. It, it's what guides us. You know, and without it, uh, you know, we're just, uh, you know, we're walking encyclopedia of Scripture that's still... Heading towards hell without that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's stand for dismissal.